0: You need to turn to somebody today and say, hey, the Lord loves you. Let your face know it. Hallelujah. Well, listen, a couple of weeks ago I was talking about vision, and then last week I talked a little bit about evangelism, seven, seven keys or tips for evangelism, effective evangelism. And I want to kind of talk, I'm going to piggyback that a little bit, some today about this evangelism thing and, and what it is and what it isn't and some of the things I believe that the enemy has tried to lie to us about about what evangelism is and what it isn't. I, I'm going to tell you right now, evangelism is not a program. Evangelism waiting isn't waiting for the guy to come in here, fire and fire and you know, breathe fire to get people saved. Um, because one of the things years and years ago, the Lord showed me. You know, He said, "What if if I stood in the pulpit today and I said, you know what?" You need to go to your work, and you need to be a witness at work. Immediately, people are thinking, "I got the word of God out, and I got my core worker in the morning at morning. I'm just giving it to him." Or if I say, "You've got to be a witness in this community," you're thinking, "Oh, I got to go door to door and pass out a tracker. I got to be on the street. Heaven forbid, in a sheet, giving out tracks." Okay? We've got the wrong image sometimes of what evangelism is. Are those things evangelism? Are they effective? Can we use them? Yes, you certainly can. The title of this whole message today is Using What God Has Given You. Well, Evangelism is a lifestyle. It really is. And and I want to talk about some things today because what I want to do is I, a lot of times people, when you talk about evangelism and, and reaching out and reaching the lost, people get afraid and they say, I can't do that. So if they say they can't do it, guess what? They're not going to do it. Why? Well, that's not, you know, I, do you know what the number one fear is? The number one phobia is, according to studies? It's not sharks. I, I thought for sure it was sharks. It's speaking in front of people. That's number one. is speaking before people. The number one phobia, okay? So immediately people say, I can't talk in front of anybody. But, but you know, I am a big, 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 big believer in relationship evangelism, okay? And... And I'm not saying that's the only way. I'm saying it's an ineffective way. But I want to show you some things today that we have to be very aware of. You know, um, everybody is different. Do you know something? When I got born again, God changed a whole bunch of things in me. Guess what he didn't change? My personality. I'm sorry, I'm stuck with that. That personality has not changed. Now, I've got to tell you, when you come to Christ, he is going to take... For me, he took a pickaxe, man, and he knocked some big, he still, you know, he knocked some big edges off of me and corners off of me. You know, at least now I feel like I'm on the lathe, at least it's a little smoother when he's grinding me down. I mean, at first it was, because there was big honking things flying off of me. So understand that God is going to change you when you come to him. I don't believe he changes your personality. God knows what you are, who you are, where you are, and created you in such a way to be used for him, the way you are. I want to make sure there's a disclaimer. Don't think that you're going to stay the way you are. You know, you know. Um, I'm Irish, so I've got a temper. That's just the way God made me. Okay, well, good. We'll see how that works. God's going to knock that edge right off you, and you can do it willingly or not. But it's coming off. If you're going to walk with Him, it's easier just to yield to Him, and He will. But personalities don't really change a whole lot. Opinions and attitudes change for sure. Hard attitudes change for sure. But here's where I want to start. I want to start way back at Genesis one twenty-seven, and this is what it says. Because I want I want you to get a hold of this today. Because some of you. Based on maybe what you've done, maybe what your past is, what your history is, maybe some of the things you're in today, you're thinking, I'm not useful, I'm not worthy, God can't use me in any way, shape, or form, and I want to tell you that's a lie. Okay, Genesis one twenty-seven says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, in Cedarville, we've got a few families that got a lot of kids. The leeches, they got a lot of kids. Um, If you know the Russell family, they got a lot of kids. Um, Stevens family, they got a lot of kids. So I told them down there, according to this scripture, some of you are falling short. Get busy. (laughs) Got to grow this church. You're doing your part. You know? And, of course, immediately the women were picking up rocks and wanting to throw them. But now, here's what I want to see in verse 31. Where am I at? Right there. It says, Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. Now, some of us need to go stand in front of the mirror in the morning and say, I am very good. God said so. Some of us need that because we get to a place where we feel so beaten down. You know what? God, did, did? he made you. That makes you very good. That makes you worthy. That makes you something because God created you. Some of you got to get a hold of that. Some of you really need that. You know what? I'm okay. I'm pretty good. God, God said so. Because he saw what he made and he said, indeed, it was very good. Now, we know the fall of man caused all kinds of problems. Adam and Eve, and, and I know... Many of us, want. we get to heaven, we want to have a little chat with them. But when you get there, you probably won't care. In Genesis 2, 7, then it says, God breathed life into us. He can craft us, breathed life into us. That makes us worthwhile. Now, you are so special. How many of you have ever gotten like a bird's feather? I've seen a bird's feather, and it's got that hollow, I'm not sure what they call it, you know, the main part of the It's not a bone, it's whatever it is. Anybody know? That's the word I'm looking for. The quill, and it's hollow. And it's so intricate and it's so fine. Or a butterfly. The wings are so delicate. Or a thumbprint that is so unique. Do not tell me that that evolved. It was created. God created you. Unique. Individually. Alright? So, you have... Worth, because Christ said so, and in him you have worth. So some of you need to understand that. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about some of you are just so beat down, you don't even, you have worth for anything, let alone anything in the kingdom. That's not the truth. So the title of this message, using what God's given you, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. In verse Matthew 13, chapter 13, verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And, and I want to I put a, a, my kind of insight on this. I'm not trying to tweak or pull this out of context. But what do you have, what does any of us have that we can purchase salvation with? Nothing. We can't, Right? But Christ paid everything for you, Pearl. You're a pearl of great price. He gave his life for you. I'd say that makes you worth something. See now understand that God calls us as we are and God cleans us up. He works us over. He does some things to change our character, our integrity, or all these things. But I want you to think about, and I'm going to get into this probably next week if I don't get through this all today, but I'm going to talk about the disciples. The men that wrote a lot of the Bible were not the most savory of characters when they came to Christ. And even some hiccups after Christ. Fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Tax collector. They were hated. Why? Because they were crooks. They stole. I mean, I've never had an IRS IRS agent sit in the church. I don't know how I'd feel about that. <clears throat> I'm joking. That's exactly right. There was even a doctor. I don't believe it. Thomas. And then there was the guy that had the great attitude. This Jesus guy, Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Galilee? Can't be. Can't be. Simon and Simon. Sounds like lawyers. They even had a traitor, Jesus, you know, the reliable one. One that took care of the money. Yeah, Judas. The one that took care of the money. What, what did they say? Who? Forgive me, Lord. Jesus is reliable. Judas was the traitor. Whew. Now, using what God has given you. I want to start, go to 1 Samuel. And I'm talking about how can we be effective witness. Now, one thing that's very important, understand that it is the Word of God sown that's going to bring the conviction, that's going to bring the salvation, is the Word of God. But one thing that is very important, I think, and vital is our lifestyle. We need to be living the same thing out there that we're claiming in here. We do. Because you can sow seed, But that seed is a lot more palatable if you're trying to live it. I'm not saying being perfect in it. But I'm talking about, you know, the thing of it is, people do watch. People are watching. People do hear. People do know. So do the best we can out there to live for the gospel. And then, when we sow it, it it will be, I think, it will help be able to, to soften that heart to receive that seed. Now, in 1 Samuel 16... And I'm not going to read all of this. I'll just tell you about it. Samuel, Saul was dismissed as king. And so the Lord asks, he says, how long will you mourn for Saul? He's talking to Samuel. Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. And so the Lord gives Samuel some instruction. He says, go. Go. And he said, I want you to take a heifer with you and tell them I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do and who shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and he brought all the elders of the town, trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And in verse 6, so it was. When they came, he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is upon him. So Jesse brought all of his sons out. And Eliab was strong in stature and handsome. And the prophet said, Surely, surely this is the one. Because look how good he looks. Look how handsome he is. All right? But this is the part that gives me hope. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or his physical." Because I refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, So many times we look at what's going on in the out. And I'm going to tell you what, you can come in and you can look right, act right, talk right, dress right, do all the right things. However, the Lord's looking at your heart. And if your heart stinks and isn't for God, then you're in trouble anyway. Doesn't matter how clean you look on the outside. There was a man that I knew when I was growing up. In Cedarville, we had a dump. It was a landfill dump at that time. Don't have it anymore. And this man wasn't an educated man, and always had an old stained, nasty old T-shirt on, and, and jeans, and a and, um, very personable guy, Christian man. He'd greet you at the dump, and you know, but nobody really took him seriously. Probably the most spiritual man that I've ever known. One of the miraculous things in his life he could not read but he could read the Bible. And that's out of his own mouth. I knew him personally. Well, this is the type of man he was. This man that had no desire for position, wasn't nothing. I mean, he would come to church, love God with all his heart, do his thing, but people would look at him and say, well, he's just this, he's just that. I remember one night, one evening, about seven, he said, seven or eight o'clock in the evening, the Lord told him, fill up my truck full of wood. Fill it up full of wood. He said, I want you to drive to Marquette from Cedarville. Okay, I'm driving to Marquette. Where am I going? God, to Marquette. Now, this is an educated man and, and none of that. Didn't know where he was going other than I'm going to Marquette. He says, where in Marquette do you want me to go? He said, you keep driving. Turn left, turn right. He said, where, Lord? Where, Lord? Well, he, had, he got there and it was early in the morning. Now, it was like 1, 2 in the morning. And he saw this house with a, a porch light on. The Lord said, that house. He said, well, all right. He pulls in the driveway, unloads all the wood, then goes and knocks on the door. Nobody comes to the door. He keeps knocking on the door. Finally, the drunken man comes to the door. Him and his wife have been fighting and drinking all night long. He leads them to the Lord, gets them delivered, gets them sober, and then he's done. Comes home. God used him right where he was at. Will you allow God to use you using what God has given you right where you are at? You don't need to be in, the, in church. You don't have to have a pulpit. I mean, last week, Philip got sent to the desert where there was nothing and God made a mighty move. That instance right there changed an entire nation of Ethiopia that is still today a Christian nation and it goes all the way back to that story. And they will tell you today. It's because of that. They still honor that today. All right? So, he delivered this wood. So then David, I've rejected all these. Do you have any other sons? Yeah, I've got this David, and this is a key to this. I've got this David that is out in the field tending his father's sheep. He's working out there in the field doing his thing. Now, you're going to see later on God was using that time to train him for what he was getting ready to do with him. So, he brings him, says, this is the guy. Anoints him as the, as the new king. So, there's, so moving on, 1 Samuel 17, You've got the army of God and the Philistines on two different mountains and, and Goliath saying, hey, send somebody over here to fight me. And the armies of God are like, no, I'm afraid because this guy's a giant. So David is going to go up to the battle lines because he's going to take some stuff to his brothers. And he's like, hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defiles the armies of God? And this is what Saul's reply at that time was. You are not able to go against him because he said, I will fight this, this giant. So here's what he said. You're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him, for you're a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. You can't do that. You need more than what God's given you to do that. You're not an evangelist. You're not gifted. You're just a mechanic. You're just a housewife. You're just a carpenter. God can use you wherever you are at if you will give him yourself to him to be used in whatever situation you are in. Too many times we pass by opportunities because we, we've got to, we, we look to something else. And, and I'm going to get to that right now. So here's what Saul did. Okay. I mean, Saul's relieved. He's like, I didn't want to have to fight him. David will go fight him. So I'm going to give you my armor. Okay. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail, fastened his sword to his armor, and David tried to walk. For he had not tested them. Or that word means tested. He hasn't trained in them. He didn't know how to use them, if you will. And David said to Saul, I can't walk these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Too many times we try to walk in someone else's anointing. And I'm going to give you this is a great example. Most of you know Mark Barkley. In the 90s, Mark Barkley got hammered over and over and over and over and over. Because people were trying to take and walk in the authority he had, the anointing he had, the giftings that he had, and try to make it their own. And you cannot do that. You can't walk in the anointing I've got, the giftings I've got. God's got your gifting, your anointing for you in where you're at to use. But so what happens is, and I remember this because I was with Dr. Barkley one time, and, and Dr. Barkley, we were with him in He's got guys that travel with him and stuff, and they, they know the role. They know what they're supposed to do. And, and so Dr. Buckley and there was another pastor besides Dr. Barkley and his guys, and, and the guy said, well, Dr. Barkley, what do you want us to do? And Dr. Barkley said, look, guys, I got this to do. You know what to do. Just go do what you, just do what you know what to do. So we went to dinner later that night, and this guy, this other pastor, had an armor-bearer guy with him that was helping him out, and he had forgotten somewhere at the dinner table. And this guy went crazy. He scalded this man. And I mean, send him to the car. You're not even worthy. Go to the car. Because he, he'd forgotten something or something. Now, I've never seen Dr. Barkley get mad, but man, you could, I mean, he was, he just about lost his mind with this man. And he said, Who do you think you are to talk to this man like that? He said, You go out there, you make it right, you bring him back in here. And and, and got that. Now, why do I say that? It's because this man that was hanging out with Dr. Barkley kind of watched some of the authority he walked in and the anointing he walked in and thought, well, hey, I can do that too. And it's not going to work for you. I know this to be true because when I first started preaching, I got a hold of a, a video, and I saw this guy on TV named Jesse Duplantis. And I said, he's saying what I'm feeling. Then started my Jesse Duplantis Scout Hester ministry phase. So I walk around saying, "Ha, <laughs> Jesse!" Now Jesse Duplantis is a rubber-faced man. I can't do what he does. So you know, and listen, he's about a five-foot-three-inch Cajun. You know, funny man, great great preacher, but I can't be him. I'm not anointed to be him. You can't be someone else. You can't put someone else's armor on. You can't function in somebody else's gift or anointing. But God has used what God has given you. Kevin Russell, he's a mechanic. Man, he he has witnessed so many people that come into his shop right where he's at because he's using what God's given him where he is at. See, David used what the Lord had given him. So what did he do? So he went, he took his staff... In his hands, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had in his sling in his hand. And he drew near the Philistine. David was equipped to use what God had given him. Where do you think that he got his training to use these things that he was getting ready to kill the giant with? Out there is a shepherd boy. Don't despise where God's got you. He can use every single place that you are at to equip you for what he's got for us. All right? The Lord will train you to use these weapons. So, again, the Philistine came, drawing near to David, and the man bore a shield, went before him, and the Philistine looked at about David and saw David and had disdain for him because he's only a youth, he's only a kid, ruddy and good-looking. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Did you come with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his Philistine gods. And the Philistine said to David, verse 44, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, that you have defiled. Using what God has given you, he'll equip you and he will back you. Walking in that. And God then will deliver the nation of Israel. Because he threw a stone, the very thing that God had trained him in. Using what God has given you. I want you to think about Moses. Now, when I first got born again, I, I didn't know a lot of stuff. I was very enthusiastic. But I was reading about Moses, you know, and Moses had this staff. He'd raise a staff, and the Red Sea would be parted. And I thought, God, let me find a branch (laughs) somewhere in a tree, and and I'll part Lake Huron. You know, I'm thinking, but God didn't, that's not my anointing. That's not my gift. That was Moses' thing, man. David had his sling. Samson, he had his hair. Samson and Pastor Tim Bashore in Pickford. They got their hair. Now, if you don't know Pastor Tim Bashort, you've got to get to know a phenomenal man of God doing tremendous work at the Methodist Church in Pickford. Only God would send a hippie to evangelize Pickford. And he is, too. I mean, he's got hair down to here and, and uh, love all oh, my phenomenal man of God. And, um, and then. And then I, my friend back here, Pat Tucker, is here today, and I'm going to tell a story on him. Using what God has given you. This guy is very bold. He's got a very different anointing than, than what I do. And, but we were out in Portland, Maine, and we were doing a, an outreach. And the way we used to do outreach is we do puppet ministry because if you do puppet ministry for five or ten minutes, every kid within a country mile hears it and sees it. They come screaming, and they're dragging their parents with them. So we would do a little skit with Puppet, Then we'd have somebody sing a song, and then we'd do a little skit, and then we'd just kind of fade into the the crowd and just talk to people and ask, hey, where are you from? And they'd say, well, where are you guys from? Well, we're from Michigan, and we're just up here, you know, letting people know about the love of Christ and get a conversation going, allow the Holy Spirit to direct, and we'd win a lot of people to the Lord that way. And then we would have a a Sunday service, and we'd invite the people to the Sunday service. We are out doing this outreach, and um, Pat had, he got a puppet. Well, he got this. And I want to say, like, it was that, what was the blue guy in the Muppets? What's his name? Grover. Grover. How would you know that? You've got children. But he had a full-length Grover puppet. You know, one of those arm-length, big, long ones, you know, that kind of dangled around and around his waist. And he put on a policeman hat for some reason, and we were all done. And he's walking down the street with his puppet saying, Jesus loves you! Jesus loves you! And I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. He comes across this group of teenagers walking down the sidewalk. Walks right up to them. Jesus loves you! And the kids are like... Yeah. You know, and so he's... Jesus, well, the kids turn around and start walking. Well, he's following them. If you know him, you understand. Jesus loves you! Well, they scatter. So he turns around and starts walking the other way. Well, he goes around this corner. Well, what had happened, and the kids have gone around the corner, around the corner. They come around the block. And so... Pat's going the other way, and sure enough, here they come. Jesus loves you. They scattered. One kid runs into a store, not to be deterred. All of a sudden, he sticks that puppet. He opens the door, sticks a puppet in. Jesus loves you. The kid comes running out, saying, man, what is your problem? I'm putting a disclaimer on this. Do not try this at home unless you know a 10-foot angel has told you to do this. Pat grabs this kid and puts him in a headlock. I'm like, my God, my God, we're starting our jail ministry in Portland today. (laughs) He puts him in a headlock, does not know this kid. I'm saying, what are you doing? He says, you know what? You need Jesus, and you need to come to church. We got this church service and this, and he says, okay, will you let me go if I come? Yeah. All right, I'm coming. Let him go. And I'm thinking, we're never going to see that kid. I said, let's get out of here because the police are coming soon. I know it. The next Sunday, Sunday morning comes. Lo and behold, that kid walks in the door. And I, I preach, and we give an altar call. And the altar call gets over, and this kid's still sitting there, and people are leaving. And he walks up, and that kid was as white as this paper. I mean, he was, and I mean, sweating and shaking and scared. And I said, Man, what, are you okay? He says, Man, I am. And it just, I'm, I'm scared, man. I'm scared. I said, why, man? You can receive Jesus Christ, and he can take that fear, man. It's the greatest day of your life if you want Christ. He says, I know. He says, but but last weekend, man, I was in an arcade, and some friends of mine came, and and we went to this meeting, and and they asked me if I wanted to give my life to Satan, man, and I cut myself in blood, and we signed some stuff. He says, does that still count? I said, not after today it won't. Led him to Christ. Obviously, we denounced some things and cut some things off, and he renounced some things, and I'm telling you what, Yeah, praise the Lord. All because of puppet. Jesus loves you. That is not my gifting. No, no, no. But God uses what God's given us. And it was effective. And so we need to understand that. And there was another woman in Portland, Maine, and she wanted to be somehow, how do I evangelize? And she was saying, I just don't know what to do, you know. All these people, I work in an office in a cubicle, and there's all these people around me. How do I get the Lord to them? So she came up with this thing God gave her. She would make muffins. She made muffins, took a little toothpick, wrote scripture verses on them, put them in the toothpick, gave them to the people around her at Christmas time. First she started out with like 10. Next year it was 20, 25. Pretty soon she was taking a day off before because she had so many to make. Hundreds. And here's the thing. When you sow the word, it's the word of God that will not return void. So you get the word of God into him, it won't return void. Use whatever God has given you. When we were going through, when we were having our son Josh, we went through Lamaze classes. And I was the expert coach, let me tell you. I knew all the... I knew it all, man. I was prepared. I was ready. Right? You know, but we, there were some ladies, and it was at the church in a the basement, these Lamaze classes, and the ladies at this church would knit blankets. For all the people that came to Lamaze class, they, they were knitting them baby blankets. And so when it was to come, get ready to get due, they, they'd bring you the baby blanket and say, hey, we've prayed over this, we've anointed it, we just want you to have it, we're praying for you and the baby and the pregnancy. You know what that meant to me? Now, I was a Christian, but do you know what that means to somebody that maybe doesn't have anybody? Alone and afraid? You know? And I was the greatest coach ever until the labor went a little long. And I'm like, you know, honey, you know, she had all back labor. So I was expected to massage her back. And I did. Until one day, I made, I, one minute, I made the fatal error saying, Honey, I'm tired. I need to take a break. You're tired. Her voice changed in everything. <laughs> it is you that did this to me. You will stay right here to the end. And there'll be no sports on the TV. I was looking for my holy oil, man. That's not true. Her voice didn't change. (laughs) But see, each one of those people used what God had given them. Didn't try to be someone else. You can't be someone else. Use what God has given you to evangelize. I've watched Jamie over and over and over use his music to evangelize people. Wherever you're at. Wherever you're working, you don't have to have some something to be able to do this. Just share the love of Christ with someone however you can. And I want you not to be discouraged. People are in one of four stages in their lives, and this applies for everyone. They're either in a plowing stage, a planting stage, a watering stage, or a harvest stage. Never, Because I hear people all the time, Well, man, I shared the gospel with them, and they didn't receive it. They rejected it. They didn't want to hear anything about it. You were plowing. And if you don't plow, guess what? Seed can't get planted. You may never see the fruit or the harvest of it, but I plowed. Somebody else planted. Somebody else watered. Somebody else harvested. But it's all the same reward. It doesn't matter. Can you use what God has given you? And a big key to that is Living for Christ out there every day. Because then people will say, you know what? Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. And so plowing, planting, or maybe you're at the place where, you know, you've ever had those times where, man, you're witnessing somebody and you just feel the Holy Ghost. And, man, you are it's just all of them. You're thinking, yeah, man, they're going to come to Christ today. Well, do you want to receive Christ today? No, all right, right now, I'm good. But I was sure it was God, and I know I was one of those that I wasn't letting you leave until you accepted Christ. I had all kinds of people saying, yes, I'll accept Christ. Will you leave me alone? But guess what you were doing? You were watering for this harvest. God can use you. But you've got to understand that, first of all, he made you, and you're worthwhile and you're worthy. And he will use you right where you're at, whatever, wherever you're at. Be an influence wherever God has you right now. Where you work, you know one of the one of the reasons people ask me, well, you know, you're you know, I stepped out in full time ministry. Well, how come you still coach and how you? Because do you know the influence that I can have over a mass amount of young people? You know, churches are praying, God, how do we get into the schools? How do we? I'm there. So it's, it's another way to show kids, to, to have your hands on kids. I so appreciated. My son had a, a, a martial arts instructor that goes to the Cedarville Church, and he sits right behind me, and I like that. <laughs> and I let everybody know this guy's a, a several-degree black belt in two or three different martial arts techniques, and he's my friend. <laughs> and he sits right behind me. But he had my son when my son was younger and he used to travel from Brimley to, to Newberry because that's where his, his, the dojo was was in Newberry and, and my, my, my son was practicing with him. And in the years, there was a few years where he had his hands on my son and he was witnessing to my son and he was talking about the Bible with my son and he was sowing into my son the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't have a pulpit wasn't in a church. But God used what he had. Every one of us can use what God has given us to touch people's lives in a powerful way if we'll allow Him to. Amen? Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you that each one of us is in a different place. And so, Father, we just thank you that you can use what you've given us, the equipment, the tools, to be able to... Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And Father, I just give you praise and glory and honor for it. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you will show us and put people in our path to be able to do these very things. Just as David used his sling and his stones, Lord, what we, you've equipped us with, help us to use them to help people find Jesus. Lord, that some that are feeling worthless, that they let them know they are worthwhile. Lord, for those that, feel like, well, I've messed up so bad that I can't possibly be fixed. But, Lord, yes, you can. And we thank you, Lord, that we're coming into a season where we're going to see many, many come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the saving knowledge. And we thank you, Lord, as we continue to disciple. You will just add to those that will be saved on a daily basis. And I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listen, before we leave today... There's two things. Give me one second. Two things I want to do today. First, I want to ask, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, or you don't think you're right with Jesus, I want you to raise a hand because I want to pray for you for salvation. That's first and foremost. Because unless you come through Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. That's biblical Acts 4.12. That's just the way that is.